All right, here for uh, another episode of uh, Vic's Prostate Cancer Awareness Podcast, and, and I'm here with uh, one of the frontiersmen, uh, a pioneer of sorts in, in Colorado uh, urology and prostate cancer, Dr. David Crawford. Uh, Doc, thank you very much for sharing your time. Thank you, Vic, for All having right. me. So let, let's talk about your history first. How long have you been working at this? Uh, many decades. Yes. Uh, you know, my, I got involved really back in probably the mid eighties. Um, at that time, prostate cancer became the most common cancer diagnosed in American males and second leading cause of death. That the bad thing was, is that most of the people that walked into the door with prostate cancer had advanced incurable disease. And, you know, at that time, breast cancer, there was a lot of screening going on, and women were talking about getting mammograms, and men men were just, you know, not me, nothing's going to hurt me, I'm invincible. And they sort of didn't go in to get checked, but we didn't have anything to do other than mm -hmm. a rectal exam. Mm -hmm. And at that time, this test came along called PSA, and that stands for, for prostate-specific antigen. And we found out that test was very good at identifying prostate cancers early. And so we started on this campaign to educate men about getting screening. Now, the problem was- Who's we, by the way? You and the fellow doctors? Uh, well, I started something with uh, about five other physicians around the country called the Prostate Cancer Education Council, which is now called the Prostate Conditions Education mm -hmm. Council. And it's actually located here in Denver. And a, and a lot of the things that you're doing are being broadcast sure. through that. So what happened was it was a physicians from Memorial and from uh, other places, MD Anderson and I got together, and we wanted to do two things. One, we wanted to inform men about prostate cancer, how common it was, and we wanted to try to you know make a dent in this in this fact that most of the patients that came in had advanced disease and they waited till they had symptoms, urinary problems, and things like that. And once that happens, then usually it means your cancer is a little more advanced. So we started this screening. The problem was we couldn't get a spokesperson. At that time, Bob Hope had prostate cancer. Uh, he didn't want to talk about it. You would it. never know it, yeah. A lot of people didn't know it. Uh, you know, at, at that time, they had a lot of women. If it, You go way back talking about breast cancer, mm -hmm. Happy Rockefeller and Betty Ford mm -hmm. and, and that. So we couldn't find anybody. We found a sports figure um, who is Rocky Blyer who was uh, uh, with the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. And um, he, his father had prostate cancer, and he was our first sp spokesperson. And so we started this early detection idea about men come in and get your PSA checked. And it was a slow takeoff. I mean, you know what, you know what drove men in mm. most of the time? The sexual dysfunction? No, their wives. <laughs> their significant others. Again, the sexual dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, made, a, made them come yeah. in. And so they, they they came in, and then we start gathering data. We start we were we, we were sort of eliminating the advanced disease, but we we created some other problems. So I I need to ask you before we uh, start fixing the problem, prostate cancer itself, because until I was diagnosed, doctor, here I am, soon to be fifty year old man. I did not even really know what a prostate was, to be totally blunt with you. I've heard the name prostate. I didn't know what function it served. I didn't know where exactly it was located. Why does cancer find its way to the prostate? How, how has it become such a, such a norm in men's health? Well, you know, if I knew that, I'd probably get a Nobel yeah. Prize. But <laughs> and you're right. The, the people, the, you know, we, we had done a pretty good job about educating men. And then 
the problem was is that we were overdiagnosing and overtreating, and that's why it sort of went away. That's probably you know years ago you heard a lot about overdiagnosing how prostate by finding cancers we didn't need to find. What what does that mean? So let's just let's just back up and look at this, and it has to do with the question you ask about uh, why you get prostate cancer and people, you know, that's my prostrate, not prostate, and things like that. So. Uh, you know, actually, the prostate is the most diseased organ in the male body. When men are young, it's the place where they get prostatitis and things mm-hmm. like that. When they get older, they get BPH. Yeah. And that BPH relates to the size of the prostate. PSA is a very good marker for prostate diseases, but not specifically just prostate cancer. So the bigger your prostate, the higher your PSA. So, but that doesn't mean it's cancer. All right, so that's one of the problems is that PSA is not perfect, and so what we what we have what we have learned is that that we can find the prostate cancers with PSA. There's no question if men get it done, but the problem is is that PSA also stands for patient stimulated anxiety. Mm-hmm. And when it's elevated, they go and we say, well, maybe it's not prostate cancer, and they get a biopsy. And, if, you know, you, you, you ask about why everybody, you know, prostate cancer occurs. But if you live long enough, you're going to get Eventually. prostate cancer. Yeah. Okay, why is that? Well, if you look at, if you look at it as men, is, you know, women go through menopause and their estrogens and progesterone's mm-hmm. dump. What happened is, is that we always think it may be related to testosterone. Uh, the thing of it is, as men get older, their testosterone's going down and their prostate cancer's going up. And there's these arguments about giving testosterone and causing prostate cancer. So, you know, the long and short of it is if we took 100 70-year-old men off of the street and took their prostates out or they died of another cause and we mm-hmm. looked at them, we would find almost 60% of them have prostate cancer wow. and that wouldn't be known. So here is what we need to do. We need to find the ones that are that are dangerous, not the toothless lions. The, the aggressive versions. Right. And that's where all the controversy started is that we were when we first started this screening in eighties, we were finding cancers that need to be found. Mm-hmm. But once we sort of cleared those away, we were starting to find a lot of cancers that you probably wouldn't find. So, you know, if, if you if, again, if you live long enough, you're going to get prostate cancer. But uh, you're not. It's not. A, it's not going to hurt you. You got to focus on. It. Now we got ways to do it. We have ways. So PSA is is like a net, a big net. You throw it out. You want the little fish to get away. You mm-hmm. want to catch the big fish. And how you catch the big fish? And this is what's happened in the last few years. We have we call genomic biomarkers, yeah. which are tests that that help identify people that that have a significant cancer. And one of them is called Select MDX. It's a urine test. So I was going to say, this is pre-biopsy. You yeah. don't have to have a biopsy. No. To, okay. this is, this, here's what we want to do. We want to biopsy people that are at risk of having a significant cancer, not, right. the, not the, uh, at a risk of having any cancer. I see. So what we want to do, we have a test. It's called Select MDX, and there's others. Mm-hmm. It's two genes that you can detect in the urine through what's called messenger RNA that are overexpressed in high-grade prostate cancers. And if this test is done and it's negative, you've got a 99% chance 
that you don't have a significant prostate cancer. So this this is sort of like That's the way forward. Great. The problem is the damage has already been done with a lot of uh, uh, out there with a lot of uh, hype about over detection and mm -hmm. over treatment and things like that. And, and we're we're to, we're to blame because you get a guy a guy that has a elevated PSA. Let's say mm -hmm. it's five yes. or four, and right away you know they're anxious and Panic. so they get. But it, it's it may be due. Most common cause for that that level is the size of the prostate mm -hmm. being BPH, not cancer. And then so what do they want to do? They push and they get a biopsy. And if you stick needles and even 50-year-old men's prostates, 30% of them will have a prostate cancer. That's really, you know, it's 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 sort of a slow-growing, not going to get you prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. But the, the issue is some of them have high grades. So, you know, this is what we've learned with a lot of cancers right now is you, you want to find the ones that are threatening. Well, you make a good point because when they found mine, right, and there was no relative when when they went did the rectal exam that you you couldn't you know you couldn't really tell if I had any issues small prostate everything was fine, but the biopsy revealed the high grade aggressive cancer. Right. So you're telling me if I had done that M what's that called MDX select 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 if I MDX. had done that to begin with even pre biopsy it would have given me more information that yes this was an aggressive cancer yes it would have. Wow, but here here's the other thing is that because of this over detection mm -hmm. years ago, a group called the United States Service Preventive Task Force, which was a group that was organized by Congress to basically advise family practice doctors on guidelines like what blood pressure to treat, sure, uh, what cholesterol to treat. Uh, when to get a colonoscopy, all these, all these things, vac vaccinations. And what happened was is that they looked at this prostate stuff uh, about overdiagnosis and overtreatment, and they said, we believe there's some benefit to early detection, but in general, you do more harm than good. Okay, so then what happened, and this probably happened to you, is that, you know, our, our education has been all men aged 40 should get a, should get a PSA yes. test. And, um, you know, if you would have probably, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been a little elevated. Mm -hmm. OK, we have we have a cutoff now of 1.5. Less than 1.5, you're good for five years. Greater than 1.5 to 4, it's a gray zone. Maybe BPH, maybe prostate cancer. What do you do? The next test you do is like this select MDX. Mm -hmm. For example, you go in and you get your blood sugar checked. It's your family practice doctor. If yes. it's a little elevated, they don't start you on insulin. They don't start you on metformin. They do another test. It's called A1C hemoglobin. Okay? You go in and you have a cardiogram. You're having some, you know, irregular, you know, heartbeat or things like that. And the cardiogram may be abnormal. They don't send you for a bypass. They do another test. Mm -hmm. And it's called a, you know, an angiogram, looking at your vessels. If your PSA is a little elevated, it doesn't mean you should get a biopsy right away. It means you're in a danger zone. Let's do another test. Sure. And that's the way forward. The problem is, is that when the U.S. Services Burnout Task Force, uh, you know, five or six years ago, said, "Hey, uh, look at, uh, we don't think there's a value. You don't have to do screening. Uh, we give it a D recommendation." The family practice doctors you know, sort of, mm. you know, wiped their hands of it. And what happened, you know, what happened was it, it wasn't good. And you can't blame them because family practice doctors are so confused about prostate well, of course. cancer. All these different... We give them these cutoffs yes. of 1.5, yeah. 4. We have this test, that test, and they go, 
Oh, my gosh. And then the other thing is it's a common uh, area where lawsuits occur, failure to diagnose the cancer, and mm -hmm. prostate cancer was right up there. Well, had I not gone through with all this, I'd be in trouble. The bottom right. line is if that were still employed, the don't don't worry about screenings, I'd be in trouble today. I need to ask you a specific question about guys in their 40s. Is there a direct correlation with aggressive cancer to the men who have high PSAs in their 40s? Is there any significance there? Yes. Okay. So it's different if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, high PSA versus your 40s. So if you're a guy in your 40s, because I have so many friends of mine, Doc, and after I got checked, and they're like, well, I'll just wait till I'm 50. I'll just wait till I'm 40. And, you know, I'm not, that's not smart. You, you want to do it as soon as you turn 40? Well, even, you know, I've taken care of 28-year-olds with wow. prostate cancer. Uh, I've, I've operated on, you know, I was on a, a Sally Jesse Raphael with a show a number of years ago with um, with Bobby Riggs, who was very, he died of prostate cancer. You know, you remember I did him. not know that. And there was a young 28-year-old guy that, you know, had prostate cancer. And she said to me, Dr. Crawford, why do you doctors miss so much prostate cancer? Mm -hmm. And I got, you know, the reason is, is that there's a lot of confusion and things like that. So going back to the I – mean, here's the problem. We make it way too difficult. It's real easy, okay? And, and, and people that not everybody agrees with me or this, but age 40 is a good time to get a PSA. It's okay. a baseline, okay? And we have pretty good evidence that if your PSA at age 40 is real low, your chances of ever getting a prostate cancer or dying of it in your lifetime is pretty rare. What's real low? Like 0.3. Okay. 0.2. What's so, gray area? So the gray area, you know, if you're age 40 and you got a PSA of 1%, or one and one point two or three. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 going to watch you a little okay. bit more carefully. I'll do that urine test on you. Mm -hmm. So okay. So now one point. So we have this cutoff of one point five, and you know we're not going to miss many high grade pan cancers even in a younger person with less than one point five. But you know if it, if it's w above one point five, then it's sort of a gray zone. So that the low PSA, the PSA at age 40 is good as a baseline. And if it's, you know, above, you know, 1.5, it's an area where you want to watch it. Okay. And that's a simple message to family practice doctors. Most family practice doctors and urologists believe there's a value to early detection. But, um, you know, the issue is, the issue is, is the over-treatment. And we do it. We, you know, somebody gets a new X-ray machine, or but I'd rather be overtreated than undertreated. I mean, no, it, no, no, I, no, because here's the problem: if you take a hundred men diagnosed with prostate cancer uh, today, um, and you know you're based on on PSAs, a, a lot of them, over half of them, are not at risk of dying of prostate cancer. Then they get it, but they say, "Doc, I want it out," and they, they panic. Yeah, they do. And I see that all the time. Mm -hmm. And you'll find somebody that wants to treat you, believe me, mm -hmm. whether it be a urologist or radiation sure. oncologist or people will go to some crazy place to get. You know, I've seen mm -hmm. people go to Mexico to get coffee enemas and, yeah. you know, lasers. and Veterinarians. Things. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what are, so one of the things you really want to do um, is you don't want to you don't want to over treat people because let me tell you, there's side effects from treatment. As you well know, oh, I know. leaking urine, oh, I erectile know. dysfunction. Uh, if you have radiation, mm. you can have you can have some irritation, bleeding, maybe even second cancers ten years later. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, if you look at it, 
there's some studies that have been done is that you have to screen 400 people maybe to, to save one person. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a lot of lot of biopsies that are done. We do 1.2 million biopsies every year in the United States to diagnose 180,000 men. Biopsies are not without problem. So what we want to do is be smart. We have the tools right now. Now what we have to do is go forward and implement these this new way forward. And this is what, you know, discussions like this getting out to yeah. men are important, that they understand that, you know, everybody, you know, you have a you know, you have a high risk of getting prostate cancer in your prostate in your life. And you ask why. And I didn't know that. I didn't answer that. Um, you know, it has it's a lot of things. When, when the organs hang around for a long time, they're exposed to all these environmental things and so forth, and that leads to um, prostate cancer. Most, a lot of cancers, over half of them are related to environmental factors, including diet. Mm-hmm. Exercise. I mean, you like you're in great shape, um, and that, that people that di- are diagnosed with cancer, prostate cancers, and breast cancers that exercise and stay actually live twice as long. Um, there may be some evidence that it might prevent the, the development of it, and it's uh, there's a whole you know whole arena about your fast twitch muscles and things like that. There's also a lot of garbage out there. Sure. I mean, people taking pill, you know, they, they take this pill or they take that pill, or you know, advertise on TV, process, you know, process internet stuff that helps well, your cottage prostate. industries around this. Uh, now. Well, it's, it, it's you know it's uh, you know at, at the seventy billion dollar industry yeah. over the counter stuff. And, and, you know, it's, they never say it does anything for your prostate. It just says it promotes prostate health. Well, some of the stuff that you had, we, we did studies with, like, vitamin E and selenium years ago. There was all this interest in men that, uh, and, it's, and, and there was this thought that selenium would uh, reduce the rate of skin cancers. And so they did this big study uh, and back in the, in the East, and they found out selenium actually reduced the rate of prostate cancer by 70%. And so that was a you know, secondary finding. It wasn't an endpoint of the study. Uh, and so everybody started taking selenium. And we did a study with it. showed it didn't work. But selenium, they said, well, 50 milligrams is good. Maybe 500 is even better. Well, it's cardiotoxic. It's causing people to have heart problems. Jeez. So you got to be really careful about all this stuff that's, you know, vitamin E, selenium, uh, all all the stuff that that the over the counter stuff that's beta prostate things like that that don't work. Okay, so for the people watching who have friends in their forties, young people, or you have any fear that you you might have prostate cancer, and the detection process, as you said, has been convoluted over the years. Yeah, who do you do you trust your your main physician, who do you go to if you have doubts? How does that work? What's the process? If I if I don't think I'm getting the proper due from my primary care, where do I go from there? Okay. Well, uh, you know, so first of all, it's it's hard to get a consensus on the way forward with all this stuff with prostate cancer and with a lot of other cancers. Because everybody's like, well, the cutoff should be three or the cutoff for PSA yeah. should be 1.5. Or you should – there's no benefit uh, finding men and treating them in their 70s or, or their 80s. Uh, you know, I take care of a lot of guys in their 80s. Um, who are in great shape and who are going to live into their 90s. So the you know point blank say you shouldn't look for it and that, that. So I think what what we have to you know there's a lot of garbage on the internet too. So there are guidelines that exist that a lot of organizations have guidelines. That's a good place to start. Um, and and so you know as as far as prostate, 
family history, if you have a family history, you know, two or three members that raises your risk. But most people basically are like you. They mm-hmm. don't have they don't have any family history and, and no symptoms and no symptoms. When, when you have symptoms, there's, it's usually late. Sure, that means your prostate's enlarged and it's sure. And it's, but you know, the other thing is the most common cause for symptoms of you know getting up at night, decreasing mm-hmm. in stream. Uh, you know, I, you go to the you go to the Broncos games or one of the you know your, your nuggets, and you go in the bathroom and you see these guys standing there trying Forever. to urinate mm-hmm. for about five minutes. You, I want to give them my card sometimes, yeah. but yeah. Uh, and but that's not prostate cancer most of the time. It's just an enlarged prostate. Sure, and you know you treat that with some drugs that or, or surgery. So we gotta we gotta work on 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 some making it simple. And you know it's just unfortunate to get consensus, but I, I you know. Here, I think the take-home message for men, really simple. Age 40, get a PSA. Okay. Okay? It's not, the cutoff should be low. So you got All your right. baseline. It should be less than one and a half. Then okay? And then if it's, if it's less than one and a half, you don't, probably don't have to have another PSA for five years. Okay. Okay? And, and I think that's reasonable. Uh, you know, and you, after that, you keep watching. PSA is a good test. Mm-hmm. You know, it... That yours was high, but higher grade cancers don't put even produce as much PSA. So, you know, I, I bet you know five years ago your PSA was probably three or four, mm-hmm. which at your age would have you know that would have been big red flags. Exactly. So you know, get that baseline, and then follow it. Probably depending on what the level is, and there are guidelines out there every every five years or so. And then when you get, when, you know, if you get when you don't have a ten year life expectancy anymore. Then you probably don't need to have a PSA. All right, let me give you this though, because this happened. My brother went to go get a PSA. My younger brother, forty-two. Okay. Physician wouldn't give it to him. Said you're too young. Yeah. Then what? I would say I want one. Just demand it. Yeah. And say I, I. And, uh, and, and if uh, you know, with a brother, you know, how many? Yeah. Who else in your family? You might pop up with other people who have family history. Sure, and, sure. And so that raises your risk. But you know, it's it's you know there there's. Pretty good data out there to get a baseline okay. PSA, and and you know this would this is this is what the reaction that happened the overreaction to the U.S. Services Preventive Task Force looking at the data and said no, mm-hmm. I, I tell you what that it, what what we've seen is and in, you remember I said back a number of years ago when we started this prostate cancer advanced disease in the bone was going up mm-hmm. and it went way down you know what it's doing now it's going up is again. it really because of the damage that's been done. We'll get around it. We, we didn't have the markers that we had before that, mm-hmm. that select MDX and other tests to help us determine who needs to get and, and the more I read about this, the, the, the amount of science that is unfolding before our eyes. You just mentioned another uh, PSMA test coming around the corner. It seems like every month there's something that's being developed. That it seems like right on the on the forefront that's going to help in this cause. Is it not? Oh, I mean, it's my just gosh, one yes. after another. So I just got back from our National American Urological Association meeting in Chicago for the last three days. Okay. There were so many neat new things that are out there. Um, imaging, you mentioned imaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've been living with, um, you know, bone scans and CT scans. Now we have PET scans. And PET scans are not new to medicine. What, been, what is a PET scan so, for those that so don't know? So it's a, it's a way to look at uh, isotopes and identify them sort of with uh, radioisotopes with scanners, uh, positive emission tomography, it's, it's called. And most like breast cancer and lung 
grow quickly. Prostate's slow growing, and so the imaging agents that like use glucose or things like that don't work very well. But now we have specific ones that are incorporated in that into prostate physiology, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so we can find prostate cancers and, and lymph nodes and failures after surgery and radiation that we didn't have before. So imaging is make, making a difference. The other neat thing is is that these isoto- these things that you use will go to the cancer and light up and you can see them. Well, it's called theranostics, where you hook up a treatment to that isotope, deliver it, and eradicate the cancer. So you can Are do, these FDA approved or is this down the, the pike? They're they're very close to being FDA okay. approved. It's called lutetium. Okay. And then, okay. So that's that's new. Yeah. When when I sort of grew up for prostate cancer, we had uh, um, removing testicles as the treatment for advanced wow. disease. And now we've got all these new drugs that mm-hmm. interfere with testosterone and interfere. We're getting we're beginning to understand it. So I'm you know I'm optimistic even for advanced disease that uh, we're making progress. And and our goal is to in patients that have it is to make it a chronic disease. You know you don't cure diabetes. Uh, you don't really cure hypertension. What you do is you treat it and you keep it contained. You live with it. And the, the goal, our goal is to have somebody die of something else other than prostate mm-hmm. cancer. And we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm curious because uh, when you mentioned prostate cancer in, in Colorado, which is where we live, uh, you can't have a conversation without Dr. Crawford's name come up because you're a local legend in this field. And heck, you mentored my my surgeon, Dr. Paul Maroney, who did a wonderful job with me. I've always been curious how many how many surgeries have you executed on this in your life? Well, you know, you I, I've been around for a little bit, but over over four thousand. Okay, and then that's not even to mention all the other treatments that you've, right, yeah. you've you've advised and all that stuff. But you know what? I, I you know the, the it's coming to the point the research is now. I don't think we're going to be doing the surgery and the radiation a few years from now that we're doing now. Huh. Um That's a good thing. Yeah, about because yeah. the you know, you don't need your prostate per se. It, the prostate's goal, I mean, it, it just provide lubrication and urethra and, uh, you know, for the sperm. Well, if you want to make babies, if you, yeah, if you want so, make babies, you need but, your prostate. But you don't need your prostate. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a pain, sort mm-hmm. of. It's the most diseased organ in the male body. So what if you had antibodies or ways to attack the prostate? Well, we have it now. So you can inject them, you can give them, you can activate it. We're already doing it. Interesting. And I was mentioning that some of the there's some groups out in San Diego I'm talking to about being able to uh, inject or give antibodies or stimulate something against the prostate and eradicate it. You might not need to do all the other stuff we're doing. All right, last one on this session. So for those you've given great advice on early detection, what to do, what the plan, what the baseline is, for those who have already gone through the process, who may have had surgery, who have gone through radiation and they're monitoring their their prostate cancer um is psa monitoring really the only way to know if if the cancer has not systematically moved onto your body like how do you know like three years down the line three months down the line how do you know you still don't have prostate cancer finding a new home in your body if the psa still indicates a low result well you know, PSA is a mixed blessing in a okay. way, but but it's the best tumor marker in oncology. It really is um, no other tumor site per se that has a simple blood test that you can take and get an answer in ten minutes what it is 
that reflects the disease. So if you have surgery mm-hmm. you, and then your prostate's removed, theoretically, you should have no PSA, okay? But there are low levels that are produced by some glands and the, and the urethra and things like that, but, and we can't measure down to zero. So we like the you know, less than 0.01 or 0.1, or it depends on the assay. Um, it, it, so it's a great way to monitor. And when it goes up, in general, it means there's some recurrence someplace. Okay, it could be local, could be distant, whatever. So it's, it's a great test. Same with radiation. Now, radiation, you don't take your prostate out. But people that do well with radiation get their PSA down really low also, mm-hmm. you know, in the surgery range. But, if, you know, if not, it's a new baseline. And so you follow it. If it starts going up, it tells you something's going on. Then, you know, we used to do, uh, you know, bone scans and CT scans. CT scans usually don't pick stuff up or bone scans unless the PSA is pretty high. Yeah. 15, 20, 60. Now we have these new tests we just mentioned that uh, these PET scans and things that help. What does that mean? Well, it means you get a second chance in a way. Um, you know, surgery, they take out your lymph nodes. What, you know, five years from now, your PSA goes up, you get a scan and you find one lymph node that's away from where they took it out. Mm -hmm. Well, we see that now. We got another chance. So we're making a lot of progress. It's exciting. When will every, well, not every, but most clinics, most hospitals have availability to use these PET scans? When when is this happening? How close are we? Okay. So, you know, there is one called Oximum that's yeah. available right now. Uh, there's another one called uh, PSMA Gallium mm-hmm. that really started not in the U.S., but in Australia and other places. And there are a couple centers in the U.S. that are doing it. They're doing study. So it, it's another, it's, it'll be another scanning mechanism. So it's nice to have, you know, these riches of having various scanning mechanisms. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're both good and they're helpful. And we, we'll be able to use them. And plus, we just talked about hooking up a treatment to the, like a radioisotope to the scan that mm. goes that delivered. You know, it's, it's a smart bomb. Mm. It's targeted therapy. Uh, my last thought, and, and call me dramatic when I say this, but it sort of bothers me when I hear guys that go through this whole process, have, have uh, surgery or radiation, and they're undetectable on PSA, and everybody's, oh, I'm cured. Am I being a little too cautious there? I don't know if you just said it. it you want to make it a chronic condition. I don't think you're ever cured. You're just at that chronic state, right? What What is the proper terminology there? Yeah, I mean, so okay. There's uh, there's all different degrees of treatment of prostate cancer, and we put them in people that are you know low, intermediate, and high risk. You know, unfortunately, you're in high risk because mm-hmm. you got a high grade cancer, and then you know PSA isn't isn't real high. But, you know, the good thing is uh, they got your prostate out and the margins are clear. But, mm. you know, the, pro- the, the cancers are budding through the capsule, which raises your risk. But then we did, you know, you got some genomic markers done. So that's they never did that years ago. Um, and, you know, it shows that you, that you don't have a 50 percent chance that you're going to crash and burn in five years or 10 years. You know, it's 10 percent. Well, 10 percent is is it's better than 90 percent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most people. Would you get on an airplane that has a 10% no. chance of crashing <laughs> or things like that? So, you know, but, you know, I, I'm optimistic. There's so many things happening with uh, if you did have a problem in the mm-hmm. next couple of years with this new scanning and with the radioisotopes and everything else like that. We got that. So, 
Uh, our goal is to make it a chronic disease that, that everybody is a little bit different and you have to individualize it. And it's not, you know, yeah. people, you know, if you had disease in your bone right now and we gave you a hormone therapy, you know, to lower your testosterone, I could, I could get your PSA down to zero. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you're cured? No, it, it, it'll, it'll come back. So, you know, but I'll tell you what. This is not like some other pancreatic cancer and metastatic lung cancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just had a friend who uh, four weeks ago was diagnosed with, uh, with uh, pancreatic cancer, and he died uh, this Sunday night. Mm. It was a urologist, well-known. And you know, so you know, we're talking about years and decades to, mm -hmm. to deal with this. Doctor, uh, you're a treasure with all the information. We have to do this again because uh, I've learned so much. I hope you have, too. Uh, appreciate all the time and effort you've put into this cause, and you've saved a lot of lives. Thank, Thank you, you very Rick. much, Dr. Crowley. I'd like to, you know, recognize the Prostate Conditions Education Council you're working with. And yes, Thank I you am. and Wendy Pogue and the whole group, mm -hmm. because what they, what, what's happening here tonight, today mm -hmm. is disseminated nationally yes. to help people. And you're right, you know, family practice doctors need to be educated. Uh, uh, urologist and that, and you know, getting getting it out with sort of informal little discussions like this is great. We need more of this. Thank you very Thank much, you. my friend. Appreciate it.